Welcome to the Table, a podcast put on by the good people at Pulpit Rock Church. I'm Jay, I'm your host, and uh, we are back in this season of pursuing purpose. But before we get into it, here is my question for our, our table today. If you had one fiction book recommendation, either something you've read during quarantine or that one book that you always go back to, what would it be? Mm, that's easy for me. That's easy for me, too. Um, a River Runs Through It. <laughs> wow. Nice. Not just because of the fly fishing, sure. but just the drama and the tension of the storyline. Have you read it or seen I'm the movie? Have I've, you seen the movie? I've seen the movie, but uh, okay, yeah, it's fantastic. But also because of the fly fishing. I didn't realize. But that also too. because of the fly yeah. fishing, okay. of course. Yeah. Yeah. Not because of Brad Pitt. No. Well, is I he could, in the book? No, <laughs> I don't think he's in the book. No. <laughs> I would say mine is. It's a typical answer. I feel like, but the Chronicles of Narnia. I read that as a young child and. Just blew my mind and heart wide open. I just, mm. I love it. That's that's pretty good. I, I I'm I'm trying to stretch myself. I mean, I think the greatest series of books of all time is The Fellowship of the Ring, but I'm not going to recommend that because it's you know we, we all have read it. I'm sure um, there was a book. Uh, it's this really it, it's weird like Scandinavian. I think it's a Swedish book um, mm. called A Man Called Uva that was. Brilliant that I read a couple of years ago. So, but I guess that's my recommendation. A man called Uva. It, hmm. I think it's just uh, O V. Maybe I don't know. It's fun to say no, too. No, it's O V E is how he spells his name. But it's Swedish. Hmm. Um, I embarrassingly have not read much fiction in a in a while. Like I, I've been. My reading in general since having kids has just dropped. Uh, but you said C.S. Lewis. Yeah, right. yeah. I mean, lots of those books, but like for me. Um, so C.S. Lewis also has a space trilogy that like I really like. And the, there's one book in there, Perry Langer, where it talks about uh, basically they're kind of starting over with this new planet and they send like Adam and Eve and what does it look like? They're tempted. What would happen if they responded differently to some of that stuff? But really good. Perry Landra, but the whole space trilogy, that hideous strength out of the silent planet and Perry Landra. Now I want to change my answer. How, no. many, how many times can we answer this jam? <laughs> uh, just one. Oh. Well, that's good. Today we're talking a little bit uh, about this word identity and what's one of the central ideas in uh, this idea of pursuing purpose. We're talking about this uh, season. It's one of our four words uh, and specifically the idea of rooting our identity in what God says is true about us. And so I thought we could have a conversation today just about what that uh, means. I don't know about the rest of you, but for me, I find myself coming back to this idea of identity and wrestling with it over and over and over again. In different seasons of my life, it's looked uh, different ways. It's looked like different things. Uh, but as I follow Jesus, there's something about identity that just uh, it feels a little bit elusive, difficult to grab hold of, hard to feel secure in. Um, is that true for you guys? Tell me, tell me about that. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think that at the heart of that issue is the fact that we simply don't anchor our identity in Christ. Um, And when we don't do that, the target is always moving. And that's why it feels elusive. Either we're moving it ourselves uh, because we're, we're feeling like our identity is attached to um, our job or our parenthood or being a spouse, um, or we let others change that target for us Mm -hmm. um, just in like peer pressure or culture 
things that, that draw us to think, okay, this is the target now. And so for me in my, in my life, it has been elusive because, or it has been elusive when I have not anchored it hmm. in Christ. I think there's something about uh, just relationships. Like our relationship with God is so unique. Like I always think of Romans 8, right? This great identity chapter, Paul talks about there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. talks about there's nothing else in all creation that can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Um, and I love those verses, but it, it also is like so foreign, right? Mm. This idea that like, like we Realistically, I've had a lot of wonderful people uh, in my life. I, I don't know that I've ever experienced that sort of security hmm. in a relationship because it just that's not how we humans are. Like we all have stuff mm-hmm. where it's like, oh, you cross that line, then I, you know, it's going to be very hard for me to embrace you with love. And so there's something about it that when Paul says there's nothing in all creation that separates us from the love of God, I. Like I just am always scratching my head over that. Well, it feels like there was challenge accepted. Yeah, <laughs> um, and so there's that just foreignness to the nature and the security yes. of God's love that is so like He declares it, and it's it, it, like it's hard to really embrace that. Right? Like I embrace it and then I forget, and I embrace it and I forget, and, it, and that just back and forth happens to me a lot. Yeah, yeah th- that this concept of identity was like a major hurdle. Uh, for me going into to ministry. I didn't grow up in the church. I never grew up thinking I'm a Christian, I'm saved, you know, any of those kind of concepts. And and so when I decided to follow Jesus early in my 20s, and then eventually um, my music talent was kind of called into ministry in the church, I had this, you know, disbelief that I was good enough, you know, to be on the stage and um, to lead people in music and those kind of things. I remember playing golf with the senior pastor of this church in uh, Conway, Arkansas, where he saw a calling in my life, but I didn't believe my identity was clean enough, hmm. right? And um, and so what he took me through, Romans 8 was one of those things we talked about, um, but, but what he took me through was the, you know, the baggage that we carry, the... Uh, the abuse, the mistakes, the brokenness, mm-hmm. uh, when you merge those with um, the grace of God through Christ, then all of a sudden those things become strengths to mm-hmm. whatever you're called to do. And so instead of hiding those things, those actually became part of my story, right? right? Yeah, right. And I started yeah. talking, about them on, talking about it on stage and using that as like leverage yeah. uh, to places. So I think God uses, if we, if we can get into that identity, God will take um, that brokenness, that disidentity yeah. in Christ, and he'll actually use that as a lever point. You know? Yeah, that's good. I think there's, there's two pieces to that, right? There's natural... Um, places or, or seasons of life where we anchor it to different types of things. And I think some of that is just the arc of, you know, when we might be single or, or just kind of different seasons, jobs and pursuing stuff. But there's also the security piece of when it is that we, whatever we find it and grab hold of it, how can we trust it? Like how can it really be something that we hold tight to? And what you're, what you're saying is so true. Like the security doesn't come from uh, how well we've learned it or how well we understand it. Like it is f- f- firmly rooted in Jesus um, and he's the only one that can secure it for us because every other relationship I have in my life, um, it doesn't have that kind of security to your point um, because it's not it's not Jesus who holds it, right? It's not Jesus who declares it. Because it's a weird bioptic thing because 
you do have an, a positional identity in Christ right. when you accept Christ. But you're also still a sinner, right? And so there's always this like tension pulling at you internally. It's like, you know, when you when you have a failure or something and it's like, oh, I still have an identity in Christ. It's really difficult. Well, and that's the faith piece of I am choosing to believe something when I feel like my, my emotions in the moment, what I feel about myself is this, and I'm choosing to kind of anchor and believe what, what God says is true. Um, and that's a hard thing to move from our head to our heart, right? Like yeah. to really live out of that place. It's one thing to acknowledge it and say, oh, I, I trust in my head that this is a truth. It's another thing to believe it and to mm. act out of it. You know, I, I loved the picture that you shared a couple weeks ago uh, when you were uh, first uh, introducing this idea of pursuing purpose. You talked about uh, Luke 3 and this vision of Jesus being uh, baptized and just what that moment looked like. Um, the thought of God just pronouncing his love for his son, his acceptance of him, his approval of him before he did any ministry, before he ever started to perform any miracles, before he ever stepped into that. Um, I love that picture. How does that resonate with you guys when you just think about how God did that for Jesus um, and, and even just the, the image of that? I think for for Jesus, it was probably different, but 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 I do think that this this piece of identity for us, because of the sin and the brokenness that lives in all of us, um, it like it, the gospel makes no sense if that acceptance doesn't precede the life change, because mm-hmm. like you know mm-hmm. our lives are so up and down, and we make so many mistakes. And imagine if like God's acceptance of us was rooted in our day-to-day life like that would just mm. be a disaster and so there's something so compelling to me and so deeply resonant to me about god saying hey before you start this thing right you have this acceptance um so no matter how this thing goes you have this acceptance and obviously you know jesus fulfilled the role of father perfectly we don't but that, that he would say the same thing to us it feels like that's our only hope um, is that because of what Jesus did, our acceptance precedes the life change, the, the wholeness, the wrestling with sin, the mm-hmm. healthiness, all, all that other stuff comes later because we are accepted mm. first. And there's something about the the bold pronouncement. Like it, it's not it's not a whisper of, you know, hey, Kyle, I just want to let you know you're accepted. But it's like before, in front of everyone, this picture of Jesus, I mean, again, it's Jesus, but in all of his humanity, in front of all of these people, God pronouncing his love and his acceptance and, and all of that over him. Um, it's powerful, just that idea of like, what does that look like for, to even have that pronounced over us in our lives uh, in a public way in front of others, um, not just. Yeah. For us, uh, it's it's grace. Um, for Jesus, it maybe was a little bit different because uh, he was without sin. But uh, we, we are looking forward to this series in James that we're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've been studying in chapter one, and there's a verse that says, uh, of God's own will, he brought us forth to be the first fruits of his creatures. And so he's, he's not motiva- motivated by anyone else or any other thing, just of his own will, just I'm going to decide to do this first. Mm. Um, is, that is just grace. He was, he was not motivated by anything we were doing or not doing. He just decided, I'm going to pursue this mm-hmm. and just pour grace out over mm-hmm. us. That's that's a wild thought. Yeah, I mean, it, 
I mean, it seems to me that we always have metric issues, metrics, you know, like we measure things with the wrong thing. And this is one of those areas yeah. where, where we, you know, we measure our identity or God's love. And this will cross over a little bit into victory, one of our other words when we talk about that. But um, that somehow, you know, our identity is tied to our behavior, mm-hmm. you know. And so, and, and we can learn that in earthly um unhealthy parental relationships and other relationships where it's like when you behave a certain way, you get a bad uh, response from someone. And right. so we think, oh, well, God must be the same way. But so we so we have this different framework we have to yeah. um, almost filter it through. Take in. Yeah, 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 which is like there's nothing, we've all heard it, there's nothing we can do to make God love us more. There's nothing we can do to make God love us less. You know? I think that's where... One of the other things that if it didn't precede all the life change, it, I, I think there's no real power to change our lives. Mm-hmm. And if that God holding this acceptance over us and hey, tell the line or you don't get my love. Um, like I've lived that way, it, it is far less effective at getting me to mm-hmm. tell the line. You know, I mean, there's just something about uh, holding that acceptance back uh, that doesn't have as much power as grace does in, in our lives. And so I, it, it is counterintuitive because that is not the way we are measured here on earth. Uh, so right. often, and for good reason. I mean, imagine a criminal justice system that is yeah. you know, operating that way. Um, so, I mean, there's good reason behind that. But with God, it's there's power in the fact that it, it precedes the life we live. The mm-hmm. grace precedes all the rest. And just to turn the mirror on ourselves as the church a little bit, even myself, we you know we have a hard time sometimes, even within the church, giving that same kind of identity oh, yeah. to other people. And Absolutely. so you know when they when something happens in their life that is kind of looks anti kingdom or feels anti kingdom, we have a hard time just like keeping that identity over them. Like we, it's like we take that identity away a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and I mean, you're hitting on something too that I wasn't planning to go, but I, th- there's something about our role as fellow, like believers, Christ followers, as partners in this thing that we have to continue to proclaim and remind that yeah. identity over one another. Because mm-hmm. um, if it's just on me to believe and remember it, like I just I need help. Like I, mm-hmm. I just I'm I need others to to speak it over me. I need others to mm-hmm. remind me. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's no mystery to me that a, a lot of like scripture talks about who we are um, in Christ because of Christ talks about our identity um, as the people of God. Uh, there's also a lot of other really good books that kind of wrestle with this idea of identity. Um, there's one that I read about five years ago that I keep coming back to uh, recently by Dave Lomas. Have you guys read The Truest Thing About You? Have you heard of that mm-hmm. one? Um, again, so many good books, but he talks about this idea that there's all these uh, kind of competing desires that we have these half-true labels that sort of kind of form our identity. And we carry around that stuff sometimes like a scar, sometimes like a badge of honor. Uh, and we build around identity. But that our identity is more than job description. It's more than relationship status. It's more than uh, any of that. And the most important thing, the truest thing for every follower of Christ is that we are loved, accepted, and created in the image of God. There's this quote in there that uh, I, I just want to talk about together. It says, you will not find your identity in what you have, but in who has you. You will not find your identity in what you do, 
but in what has been done for you. And you will not find your identity in what you desire, but in who has desired at infinite cost to himself a relationship with you. Hmm. What you have, what you do, what you desire. I think those are helpful handles to talk about like ways we build identity apart from what is true of us. Um, talk to me for you guys, maybe personally or just uh, uh, ways you've observed. How do we build identity around what we have, what we do, and what we desire? I, it's something I first experienced when uh, a few years ago I took a sabbatical, which is just ex- extended time of not working, right? Not mm-hmm. much. Um, and, uh, but I've experienced it again with the season of COVID um, is like you never know just how much your identity is wrapped up in what you do until you stop doing stuff or mm-hmm. you don't have the option to do as much as you used to do. And um, there is something about that that I, you know, I like to do stuff and uh, I, I don't always feel okay if I'm not able to, to accomplish something or engage in, in something. Um, and, and yet I feel like God keeps bringing these experiences in my life where he challenges me to not overly attached to, to those things that I accomplished. That, hmm. that, yeah, he, he wants us to do stuff. He wants us to serve. He wants us to give people. He wants us to, to do things. But it, the identity has to be rooted in him. And I feel like that one of the things that he does to get us there or that I've experienced is he just strips away our capacity sometimes to do stuff. Yeah. Um, and that's why, you know, we go to the Old Testament and he says, well, rest, don't do anything one day out of the week. There's seasons of rest that we, you know, we use the term sabbatical to talk about where there's these festivals where you're just, you're ceasing mm-hmm. from doing so that I think we can re-anchor our identity. Reminded, yeah. So I'm experiencing that a little bit this summer with COVID. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I've, that, that hits home close to home during this season um, because of third space coffee, which a lot of people know, mm-hmm. you know, we sold. And part of that was that we needed to sell it. I mean, COVID really affected it, and uh, but it was also an opportunity. But it, I remember the first week not having to wake up and wonder, you know, are employees going to show up? Do I need to make a milk run? Do I need to do payroll? All those kinds of things. And so you have all this time. And so there was an identity piece that I really wrestled with, mm-hmm. you know, for a week or two, um, not being the curator of that community, which was mm-hmm. so much part of my life. But I think, you know, I realized, you know, God, it's kind of a season thing, like Jonathan's mm-hmm. talking about, where God, um, I'm still God's, I'm still on mission, I'm still doing the same things, but it's focused and called to a different place, you right. know, so that identity is still the same, right. and those tasks are still the same, but it's just uh, focused in a different direction. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, and I, I think that's the tension in some of this. There's all these things that are true about us, mm-hmm. right, like that they're, that I... I have certain roles, uh, like I'm a husband, I'm a father, I, um, I'm a pastor, I do these things. There's th- things that are true about me, um, but I make a huge mistake when I take some of those things and I let it become all of kind of who I am and drive the ways I interact. So when we're talking about this identity piece as a foundation, there's lots of things that are true, but if we build identity out of those true things, like we're going to really miss it. And we don't dismiss like what we have, what we desire, what we... Um, we have to just remember kind of the truest, the deepest things. I think it becomes tricky when when the things that we have, the things that we do, and the things that we desire are admirable things, sure. like being a father, being a pastor. Um, those are those are valuable 
And so uh, it gets real murky because those things they feel really good and they look really good. Maybe it's a little less murky when we're desiring things we know we shouldn't have and doing things we know we shouldn't do. But it gets tricky when we are genuinely pursuing these things that are valuable. You know? Yeah, that's I, that's really good insight. I, I think that the you know maybe because of media we have this picture of like this insanely materialistic person who's just working for another dollar and right. you know that mm-hmm. sort of thing or who um, it, that there are not a lot of people like that. Like most of right. us pursue a life that makes some sort of sense to us, mm-hmm. um, and that doesn't mean that we're not full of sin because we are. But um, it, it, there's a lot of us pursue stuff like. I want to have a loving family. Well, what an admirable thing. Right. Mm. But that can so easily become the source of identity for mm. us instead of this idea that God has invited us into his family in a mm. permanent way. Mm. And I think that's that's good insight because it's not uh, like what you what you have, what you do, what you desire kind of brings to mind like this caricature of humanity sure. that is like this doesn't really exist. That's more subtle like yeah. than that yeah. for us. But I mean, and I think we've all experienced this, right? I mean, when I, like I, my need for acceptance, like if I put the full weight of that on one relationship, if it's if it's up to Janae to like carry the weight, but it will never, ever, ever work. Mm-hmm. And so it's so important that we have that starting place that our acceptance is rooted here. So then all these other things aren't, we're not doing them to earn that or to gain that. They actually get to be mm-hmm. things that we get to do as part of our kingdom life, right? Like to bring it home. When our identity is rooted, when we have that acceptance in Jesus, then we don't have to root it in people and all these other things, which lets us be the, the sort of kingdom people that God has invited us and called us to be because we're not so desperate for all of those relationships or all of those things to give us or to build a, something for us. Real practical, kind of closing out here. What are some ways that you each remind yourselves the truest thing about you? I think the thing that's growing, trending in my mind, um, that we are inundated with media, inundated with social media, inundated with all these things. I think that we have to balance that with God's voice to us, and especially God's voice to us through Scripture. And so trying to live a life where I am uh, at least giving God equal time through Scripture to, to speak that identity stuff to me, because uh, it, you know, I pick up my phone and there's all the media, all the voices, right? Mm -hmm. So you have to work really hard to try to give God equal time. And I'm realizing he doesn't often have equal time in the day on those things. So scripture and allowing him to speak to me through that. Yeah. Yeah, I I kind of, um, I try to give time to things that I know um, fire up my heart about the kingdom, about God, and about Mm -hmm. who I am. you know, I mean, a lot of the a lot of that stuff right now has to do with kind of missional practice and, and the kingdom and stuff like that. I can get kind of caught in the world or problems or things that are going on. There are certain podcasts or books or things that I can read that I know will kind of tickle a place inside of me, and it's like, oh yeah, this is who I am, and this is what I'm doing. You yeah, know? and that and it kind of. It kind of raises me up above the other voices and the other things. So I don't always go there uh, yeah. as a discipline, but I do know that if I if I go there as a discipline, it it will kind of rise me above the yeah. the mud. Yeah. I would say that um, I in, a, in in an effort to drown out the voices that we're talking about um, that are so constant 
I am pursuing time and conversation and relationship with people that I know are also on this journey mm-hmm. of, of wanting to be continually anchoring their identity in Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm pursuing time with them where we can talk about it and encourage each other and share stories. Yeah, that's so good. Well, thank you guys. Jam, why don't you close this out? So if you're interested, you can see these uh, videos going live on our YouTube channel every Wednesday night. And they will be available through whatever podcast service you've been watching or listening, I should say, to Welcome to the Table through. Um, and until next time, you are welcome at the table. Thank you for joining us. Mm-hmm.